The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Serving spiritual seekers around the world. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here's your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. If you've been listening to this program for a while, then you know that back in March of 2015, I took a trip to Paris, and it was supposed to be magical, but it was kind of cold, and I got lost a lot, and I learned that my mastery of French is a whole lot worse than I thought it was. But what absolutely resurrected that trip and kept it from being just a terrible memory and instead made it a sweet, sweet memory was that I met three amazing women in Paris. One was a a reader, someone who subscribes to the Main Street Vegan Minute, the Main Street Minute. You can subscribe yourself if you go to MainStreetVegan.net and click on subscribe to our little weekly newsletter. So she was delightful and wonderful. There was a woman in the French course that I was taking who was a Canadian diplomat and just wonderful. And we went out together and spoke kind of cobbled French, and that was sweet. And then Elizabeth Lyman. She was introduced to me by some American friend, and I'll find out when she comes on exactly who that was because I'm blanking on that. But what a delightful human being, an American vegan living in Paris and really living the dream in Paris. Is that ever something you've fantasized about and thought, oh, gosh, maybe I'll just drop it all and move to Paris? Well, uh, that's kind of what Elizabeth Lyman did. I don't know what all she dropped, but let me give you the official translation and let you know how cool she is before she joins us. She is a French-to-English translator who translates written text in business, uh, sociology, linguistics, literature. And in 2009, she moved herself and her business to Paris, where she became more involved with the animal rights movement and has found many opportunities to use her professional skills to help further this cause. Her English translation of The Green and the Red, a novel by French author Armand Chauvel, was recently published in the U.S. by Ashland Creek Press. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you, Victoria. It's great to be with you. Well, it's wonderful to have you. I just feel a little bit like we're at that cute little vegan restaurant in your neighborhood. Yes, (laughs) <laughs> so who did introduce us, Elizabeth? Do you remember? I believe it was Fran Costigan. Oh, Fran Costigan. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Well, absolutely then. Fran Costigan, amazing pastry chef, author mm-hmm. of Vegan Chocolate, which is mm-hmm. now in English, French, and I believe German. It's getting all over the world. So thanks, Fran. <laughs> thanks so much. So, Elizabeth. How did you do this? How did you end up moving to France? Um, Well, I've already been, I've been working as a freelance translator already. Um, I've been doing that for about 10 years now. And one of the the really great perks about this work is that you can live pretty much anywhere. 
and still work um, because most of the work that you do is, is you receive it and you send it back uh, over email. Um, so for a while I'd had the idea of, of just moving over to France and I wasn't quite sure how to do it, but I eventually happened upon um, some information about this program that, I, that I'm here with. Um, it's a special residence permit program for people outside the European Union who work in a creative field. And so I applied and they said, yes, uh, translation is, is indeed a creative field. And I agree. So uh, that's how I was able to come in. How fascinating. I love it that so many countries appreciate creativity. I read mm. once that in Ireland, writers don't have to pay income tax. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> Always had this idea, well, maybe someday, maybe one day, back, <laughs> back to the old roots in Ireland. So mm-hmm. you moved to France and you became vegan. That doesn't usually happen in that order. Tell us about that. <laughs> Exactly. That's kind of a funny story. Um, so before coming to France, I, I was vegetarian. Um, I think I'd been vegetarian for four, to four or five years. and But I was sort of, I'd done it sort of in isolation, and I, I didn't really know many other vegetarians. I was, um, just before moving to France, I was living kind of in the countryside in Wisconsin. So um, there, there really wasn't much um, around in terms of vegetarianism. And so after I moved here, I started looking into how to um, develop a circle of friends. And I joined Meetup, and uh, there I found um, groups that organized dinners, like vegetarian and vegan dinners. And so I, I started attending those. I met some some great people. Um, I met a lot of vegans, and I ended up going to potlucks, where I tasted lots of great dishes, um, found recipes, found books, uh, information. And um, it kind of went from there. And I guess I've been vegan now for about five years. I've been living here for six years. Oh, that's wonderful. And it is growing in France. I could tell that when I was there. Mm-hmm. It's no yes, longer that. against the law to not have butter. <laughs> exactly. So what what is it like being vegan in France? I mean, there's this whole culinary tradition. and mm-hmm. And this idea, I think, too, that the French really know how to eat and know how to live. You know, we've had these books mm-hmm. about why French women don't get fat, even though you look <laughs> at the food and it seems like they ought to get fat. So <laughs> it, it's, what's it like to be vegan? Um, well, it's it's not all that hard, I find. Um, it's uh, it, it depends, like, what you, what you know, like, where you, if you, once you know where to go to get the products you need, um, if you can cook a little bit at home, that helps a lot, too. Um, it's, it's true what you said that, um, the French are very attached to some, some very longstanding culinary traditions. And, um, so for that reason, in, I would say that in society, there's a certain resistance, um, to, uh, to vegetarianism that you don't always find in other, other countries, um, because of that. But I, but overall, I think things are getting easier and easier. And in the short time that I've been here, a lot of new restaurants have opened, um, a lot of a lot of great developments have come along. There's there's a an annual vegan festival here now. With, That's uh, with terrific. Coming, yeah, with people coming from all over all over the world. That's how I met Fran. Oh, uh, wonderful! Yeah, it was in the 2013 Paris Vegan Day, and she came uh-huh. to do a culinary demo. Well, tell us your favorite restaurant, your favorite vegan restaurant in Paris. Oh, I would say. Um, I, there's so many that I like, but I, I guess I would say the Gentle Gourmet Cafe. That is a beautiful, beautiful place. I think mm-hmm. I went there three times when I visited. Love mm-hmm. Gentle Gourmet. I also liked a place a lot called Pus Pus, and I didn't mm-hmm. discover it till my last day, or I would have gone all the time. It had a lot of raw food and mm-hmm. you know greenery and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, so, yeah, she did some really creative things and lots of sprouts and. Uh, some really good uh, raw desserts as well. Yeah. Well, anybody going to Paris, by all means, check out those two. And we'll put those in the show notes. You know, we've started doing show notes on the blog page at MainStreetVegan.net. So everybody's uh, social media and websites and things that, that were given, the names of books and where to get those and wonderful quotes and recommendations will go in the show notes. So if you're out riding your bike or walking your dog and can't stop and uh, write down those restaurants. You can find them 
at MainStreetVegan.net slash blog right after the live show. So, Elizabeth, this lovely author, what a beautiful name. You Say Armand's name. Say it the way a French person would say. <laughs> Armand Chauvel. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> well, Armand, I, I hope you're listening, and I hope that we're going to do justice to your charming and delightful book, which I have read and enjoyed every page. It's called The Green and the Red, and it's a love story, but it's mm-hmm. kind of, hmm, a mixed love story, omnivore <laughs> and vegetarian. So tell us, Elizabeth, how you and Armand connected, and then tell us about the book. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he so he wrote the book obviously in French um, and was looking around for a publisher and uh, wasn't quite um, wasn't quite finding one. And a friend of his had the idea to come up with a, to produce a, an English version. And so um, he didn't know any translators, but he put the word out among his friends. And uh, with networks being what they are, um, and, and him living in Barcelona and me in Paris, we hadn't met. Um, but with, with our networks of friends, uh, it wasn't too long before someone put me in contact with him. So he lives in the States? He lives in Barcelona. Oh, Barcelona. I'm sorry. I thought you said Buffalo, but that's because I think in terms of New York. Okay. So he's in Barcelona. You're in Paris. The book was in French. And Mm -hmm. how did you find Ashland Creek Press? Oh, um, that was kind of a, a random occurrence as well. Um, so fairly early on in the process of, of translating the book and thinking about how we would market it or how we would look for a publisher, I was just looking online um, to see what other kinds of similar books were out there. And doing that, I happened upon a forum, I don't remember which one now, where there was a discussion of these types of books and uh, someone had posted something about this uh, relatively new at the time um, publisher that uh, specializes in ecological and animal rights types of themes. And so, um, so we went and took a look at their site, and it, it really looked like a good fit. Um, it's uh, so Ashland Creek Press in, in Oregon. It's fo- founded by a vegan couple, actually. So it was really perfect. Oh, that's wonderful! I, I mm. love uh, <laughs> keeping the work in the family whenever possible. <laughs> yeah, so tell nice. us, just give us a, a little taste of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a really fun story. I think it's, um, I loved it when I read it. I think I read it over two days. I just like devoured it because it's, it's, it's hard to put down, I think. And I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, it has a lot of humor, um, of course, some romance. And what's nice too for the, for the English speaking market is it, it provides the reader with a glimpse into French culture and a little bit of armchair travel especially to a part of France that you don't usually go to, perhaps um, when you're visiting France, you tend, people tend to go to Paris. But this takes place in Western France, in Brittany. So that's kind of a nice thing, too. Um, so it's the story of, uh, we have two main characters. We have Le- Leah, she is the owner and chef of a vegetarian restaurant. that's not getting quite enough business, not as much as she would like, and is uh, struggling a bit to survive. And then we have Mathieu who is this kind of uh, power-hungry marketing director of one of the local pork producers. Um, And this is a region with with a a huge pork industry. And so Mathieu has a plan to build a pork museum, of all things, that will uh, attract tourists and bring in more more people to to find out about his products and boost sales. And so in his search for the perfect place for this museum, he finds the plot of land where Leia's restaurant is. And um, so we can we can kind of imagine what happens next. So his goal is to basically try to put her out of business and take the land. And to do that, he's he decides that he's going to kind of infiltrate the vegetarian community and find out all the details he can get. And so he goes into the restaurant uh, posing as a vegetarian himself. Um, gets to know her a bit, uh, gets to know some other people winds up getting getting more and more in touch with uh, with the community and all the while having to disguise his his real mission of course so that makes for some uh, some funny situations as you can imagine well it's absolutely charming and you know it's actually a, a good instruction for <laughs> seeing if there might be an infiltrator 
<laughs> in your meetup group. I mean, I'm not really serious about that, but but it is is fun. It's a delightful read, The Green and the Red. Now, I know you can get it on Amazon. Is there someplace else we should know about? Um, yeah, you can also get it from the publisher directly from ashlandcreekpress.com. And nice. um, I believe in the U.S. it can be ordered from a lo- any of your local bookstores um, as well. Wonderful. Well, I recommend the book, and I also recommend if you're going to Paris that you know somebody who knows Elizabeth, and she can take you to all the best places. <laughs> so I just volunteered you for a lot. So just My very favorite. quickly in our last minute here, what what else have you been involved in translation-wise that has to do with animal rights? Um, I've been able to translate some brochures and articles for local animal rights groups, um, French groups, as well as Sea Shepherd. And um, there have also been quite a few vegan events, such as the Paris Vegan Day, um, where someone needed an interpreter. So I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of informal interpreting for people like Fran Costigan, uh, Denise Balkovich, um, Peter Singer this year. So that's been really great. Oh, what a wonderful thing to do. All this in Paris, too. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth Lyman is the translator. Say Armand's name again. Armand Chauvel. Is the author. The book is The Green and the Red from Ashland Creek Press. Hey, they're out there in Oregon, vegans. Uh, so <laughs> do do have a read. This is a charming, delightful book. I loved it. I read it in two days, too. Thanks so mm. much, Elizabeth Lyman. Everybody else, stay with us through these messages. And we will be back with Lanny Mulrath, author of The Plant-Based Journey. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet, and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com. Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Don't think about it. Let it unfold. Let it when you truly understand the laws of the universe and live a life based on these profound and unwavering truths, then your dream life starts today. No more waiting. No more wandering. If you're ready to let go of the striving and move into the allowing, you're ready for Everyday Attraction on Unity Online Radio. We study the teaching of Abraham given to us by beautiful Esther Hicks so we can release confusion for clarity, exchange struggle for serenity, and have the time of our lives today. Join host Ray Zander every Friday at noon Central Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, on Unity Online Radio for Everyday Attraction, where the law of attraction gets real. You're listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan Show. So happy to have you with us today. So we are going to go from romance in Paris <laughs> to being really, really healthy wherever you are right now. Uh, Lainey Mulrath is visiting us for actually the second time. She was just a, a mini guest before. We didn't get to talk to her at great length, but she was on with an earlier book called Fit Quickies. 
which will tell you that she is both a fitness expert as well as a nutrition expert. And if you want to pick her brain on any of those topics and you're listening live on September the 9th, 2015, give us a call, 888-558-6489. Lenny Muellrath has a master's degree and is an award-winning teacher, author, speaker, plant-based activity, and mindful living expert. That's a lot of expertise. She has the plant-based nutrition uh, certificate from Cornell through the T. Colin Campbell Nutrition Foundation. And she is a guest lecturer at San Francisco State University and associate faculty at Butte College. She's also served as a presenter and consultant for Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine and the Complete Health Improvement Project. She has been featured on ABC, CBS, NPR, Prevention, USA Today, The Saturday Evening Post, and Main Street Vegan. Welcome, Lenny Muellrath. <laughs> Thank you, Victoria. I'm just trying to keep up with you. <laughs> well, you're doing a really great job, and you're out there doing so much good in the world and presenting these ideas in a way that people can really take to them. You have incredible uh, blurbs uh, for your book. You've got Kathy Freston and Colleen Patrick Goudreau, Rip Esselstyn, Colin Campbell, and even uh, Susie and James Cameron. Yeah, the, uh, I know. Movie folks, so good yeah. for you. <laughs> so Everyone's us- been very supportive, and I'm just, uh, you know, and that preface by Dr. Campbell is just like an author's died and gone to heaven piece. So I tell Dr. Campbell every time I read that, I want to go out and buy the book. <laughs> I already have a copy. <laughs> Well, I hope that everybody else will feel the same way and that oh. you sell sell millions. So before we get into the book, let's talk about what you were doing the past couple of weeks. You were ah. off looking at animals. Yeah, we it was our second safari adventure to Africa. We were actually there three weeks this time, had a chance to go to Tanzania and see the wildebeest crossing the Serengeti. And this was just such a wonderful adventure. And I don't know, have, have you been to Africa, Victoria? I have not. My daughter and her husband went last year. Oh, yeah. But I oh, have not. Oh, that's right. Did she go on safari or what was she, she doing there? She did, yeah. They, they went to... Um, Borneo to see the, um, I, so I guess it wasn't really safari. They saw the orangs in Borneo. Yes, yes. And then they went to South Africa and Zimbabwe where they saw all kinds of other animals. So mm. they do call that safari. Yeah, they have yeah. amazing photographs with elephants and rhinos and hippos and everybody. Mm. Well, there's something about Africa that just really gets into your blood. And I think it must be it's because we all that's where we all come from. Mm-hmm. There's something so grounding about being there. And, of course, there's the, all of the extraordinary wildlife that we are not part of our daily vocabulary back here in the States. But we had gone there also to visit with our adoptee elephants in the David Children's Wildlife Trust Orphanage, which is a program that we support. So for the first few days, we stayed in a lodge right near, well, it's like an hour and a half walk to the, the orphanage. And we would walk down there and got to feed the elephants. You know, they're drinking a um, bottle. They're eating bottle-fed milk. And actually, Dame Sheldrick, who created the orphanage, worked for years to find the good formula that would be a match for what baby elephants need. Because you can't milk elephants and, you know, <laughs> bring in the milk. And they found a, a coconut based formula that the elephants are thriving on. So that was an important part of our visit and the whole scene with elephants in Africa is as you know, very difficult it's heartbreaking but we do the best we can do to support organizations that are making a difference and trying to offset the poacher problem and and actually be a blockade against them. Hmm. Well, how wonderful that you're able to do that and not just adopt this baby, but be able to visit him or her. 
Mbegu is a female, but we have a few others as well, and Mbegu was the first. As a matter of fact, I have a recipe in the plant-based journey named after her. (laughs) Her name means little seed, which uh, it's Swahili for little seed. So in the recipes, I have Mbegu's spicy peanut African sauce. I had to put her in. How wonderful. (laughs) Oh, what a, what a great experience. So was it your love of animals or your interest in health and fitness that led you to change your diet? You know, that's a good question because actually looking back, I'm having to not kind of count, um, the numbers are adding up. It was 43 years ago, kind of like you. I think we're twins is how far back we go with this, being on this journey to eating in a way that makes such a difference on our plates and on our planet. And initially, my draw was because of ahimsa, because of nonviolence and because of compassion for the animals. I'd been stu- studying yoga and vegetarianism was a natural offshoot of that. So at that time, I gave up all animal products except for dairy products, which were stayed in my diet for several years and then finally on and off vegan, you know, attempting to, to, to change it all. But about 10 years ago, finally ditched the dairy products. So, but at the same time, when I jumped in, the other reasons, Victoria, were so compelling. It's not just the animals, but the health was obviously a good choice, and also the environment. I have a booklet over here on my shelf. It's called um, Why 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 Eat Meat. Wait a minute. It's something. It, I'll, it'll pop into my head, but it's a little booklet from 1973 about why do we need to eat meat because of the same three reasons, health, the animals, and the environment. So the reasons are just as compelling now as they were back then. So that was kind of a long answer to your question, but it, it's those three legs still support my journey going forward. So tell us about your journey. Just walk us through. Okay. Oh, by the way, it's meat on the menu. Who needs it? That's what the name of the, the booklet was. It? Where did it <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's over on the shelf. It's one of those little things. I think I picked it up at the health food store and I'll, I'll have to get back to you on that because I don't want to go rifle through my bookshelf. But it's pretty interesting the way those reasons have carried forward. Well, it's, so it's moving very interesting to me. I, I don't mean to interrupt, but no, I, no. I just feel because I have a book right here next to me. Actually, it's sitting right beneath your beautiful book with its lovely cover. You were just saying mm-hmm. that the publisher gave you the cover that you wanted, the cover texture even, and it yeah. does feel wonderful. But next to that is a book that I recently rediscovered. Actually, Mark Bronstein, the author of Radical Vegetarianism, gave it to me this summer. And it was the first book that I ever read when I was 17. It's called about vegetarianism, called Why Kill for Food, Uh written by Jeffrey Rudd in 1956. And I have been so taken with this book because the preface to the, the little line that describes the preface says the need for reasoning and a philosophy of life and i think these days you wouldn't see that uh, as an wow. intro to to a book about being vegetarian or being vegan but to me it makes so much sense because you can either do what you've always done or you can use your reason and have a philosophy of life and then another thing that he said and we can talk about this and you can tell me if you agree or not It says that uh, this gentleman, the late Mr. Rudd, claims to be a vegetarian on principle and believes that the health, medical, and scientific evidence in favor of vegetarianism should be used only to reinforce the moral necessity not Mm -hmm. to kill for food. Mm -hmm. I find that fascinating. Yeah, and you know, I've written this down because I'm going to look that up. I wonder if that's still available. That you know, yes, what a pioneer. I, I looked on Amazon. You can find some used copies. Yeah. Okay. Great. Because actually, if you look at those three reasons that I've mentioned, the animals, the health, and the environment, um, the number one that would jump out of that actually would be the environment. Because if we don't have the environment for keeping the animals happy and healthy, and for keeping ourselves healthy and happy on then where are we going to go? So I really think this is true, that putting the animals, putting the environment ahead of even the health reason, if you had to order them, we don't have to. 
but it, the question does come up that uh, I really honor that philosophy, and I think that there's it, that makes so much difference, and it also helps drive people with their commitment when it's something outside of themselves. Health is involved with us, of course, it's involved with our family and our community and all of that, but something outside of ourselves and really makes a difference, and that's actually what finally got me off dairy products. So which, as I said, came further along on my journey. So as uh, you asked me about how my journey progressed from that jump in, and I am one of those people who's genetically predispositioned to easily gain and have trouble losing weight. And I must admit that when I adopted a vegetarian diet, I secretly hoped, and I write about this in the plant-based journey too, in the my journey section, that it would take care of my weight problem and that, you know, all of this, this would vanish. Unfortunately, it's just as easy to eat chocolate chip cookies made with non-animal products and all kinds of things that really can pile the avoir du poids on you just as much as the usual kind. So it was several years, it was probably 30 years of struggling with up and down with my weight and various dietary configurations, even within the vegetarian realm until I realized that something had to give I needed a shift besides just looking at what I was eating and this is where I drew in the necessity of the mindset mastery element that I think is crucial for lifestyle change and for sustainability and to have a really appropriate use of physical activity. So those three, it took me about 30 years to figure out how to get it all together and create a system that worked. Well, tell and us then I was able physical. to lose that 50 pounds. Go ahead. Aha! So we do have a lot in common. I, I, yep. I, I know, you're 60 pounds. You got me beat by 10. Well, that's, <laughs> that's just because I suffered with 10 pounds more. <laughs> but... I, I know that this book is, is mostly about the eating part, and we'll get into that, but I do just want to run past the, the fitness aspect, because you really are a wonderful light in the world on, on that score, and somebody that I admire a lot. So just tell us about your fitness regimen. How does that fit into your life? Okay, well, I, I'm going to preface that with saying how I describe the role of physical activity that I've also injected into the book because, and I think this is what you're speaking to maybe partially about honoring my philosophy on this. Most people, when they think of physical activity or exercise, that it has something to do with, you know, getting stronger and getting, burning a few calories and maybe getting a stronger heart and maybe getting a better figure. And it does all of those things beautifully, but it buries the lead on the real value of physical activity. And that is because of what it will do for your brain without movement. If we're, if we're stuck in cement, Physically, like sitting for hours at a time and not moving, our brains become stuck in cement. And if we're trying to create a lifestyle change as we are when moving to a plant-based diet and into a vegan diet, then just putting one foot in front of the other for a few minutes at a time opens up branches of neurons in our brain and creates new connections so that you can do a new lifestyle. So this has really become central to my message. I find if you want to go over the top with physical fitness and get this great shape or run a marathon, but I want you to be able to live a healthy, happy, productive life and make the changes in this dietary way that are so essential and you can't do it without moving your body. Well, I've certainly found that, and I've only recently discovered a, a kind of movement that I dearly love. I just kind of put up with it for decades. <laughs> but what's so great is the fact that I put up with going to the gym at least kept me in good enough shape that when I finally discovered this love of my life, aerial yoga, <laughs> I, I was able to do it and, you know, not having discovered it in youth. So it's very cool. There is nothing wrong with being fit on any kind of level. So tell us about this new book. You call it a step-by-step -step guide for transitioning to a healthy lifestyle and achieving your ideal weight. So give us some of those steps. 
Okay. Um, by the way, I have seen pictures of you doing your aerials, and that's when I'm jealous of living in New York City because you can walk out the door and go to aerial yoga <laughs> on your street probably, and here in the woods it's kind of difficult. And you did also, before I go into the steps, you did ask about my personal program, and what I do is I do the muscle shaping exercises that I have in Fit Quickies. I do yoga, which was the very first thing I taught, and I also bike and run or walk every day but it's not like a hard driving i'm an um an athletic endeavor i'm more of an exercise enthusiast for my body and for my brain so to the next question about the five steps this the way this came together is based on not only my personal experience in coaching many people over the years but also in response to those 1200 surveys that I sent out while researching the book and I discovered that everyone who is successful with this lifestyle change goes through five steps they're universal And it really was nice to be able to divide it into those chunks because now it's become an instructional manual for how to walk through. And if you're getting stuck along the way, which happens to many people, then you can easily look at these five steps and find out, well, maybe here's where I need to kind of back up a little bit and give myself a little bit of support with getting these tools sharpened so that I can move forward. So would you like me to just go over with those five real quick, kind Absolutely. of give an overview? Okay. Well, step one is awakening. Someone you talked to, something you heard, something you read has awakened you to changing your lifestyle in this most fundamental way what you put on your plate. And without the awakening, we have no impetus or even idea of change, correct? So everyone has to go through that stage. You don't just say, oh, I'm going to become vegan without having gotten the idea and having gotten the inspiration. The next step that is essential and that many people miss, which gets them into trouble later on, is the scout step. And that's the reconnaissance mission. That's the what is on a plant-based healthy vegan plate. Where do I get it? How do I procure it? How do I set up my kitchen? How do I read uh, labels on a Label reading can, has become such a science. I, I found one tutorial online that it took 19 pages to explain <laughs> how, how to read, read a, a label. label? Oh. Yeah, and I thought, you know, I'm not going to, let me cut it to, to make it really simple for you. So I have my own system for doing that that bypasses all the, um, the you know, you don't want to do a math project when you walk into the supermarket, right? just doesn't work that way. So that's really important. That's like a scout. You've got on your scout hat and you just find out what is, what's the lay of the land on there. Then once you've become equipped with some of the basics, you've got your shopping list, which I also include a basic shopping list in Journey. Then you move into rookie stage and that's, you know, you're new on the team, right? You got to get up to bat. You got to start swinging. You got to hit a few fouls. You got to maybe you'll hit a few out of the park. But it's that play area of now you've got the basics and now let's get going on that area of expertise. From there, you progress into what I call rock star, which means during the rookie stage, you kind of get good at making some basic foods at home. And that, oh, that's where the recipe templates are. Victoria, I'm so excited about the response to the templates. They're just, they're so simple. They're how I cook. I'm not a fancy cook. As a matter of fact, I don't like to cook, but I love to eat. So I want simple ways of putting and mixing and matching things together so I can get to the eating part quite quickly. So when you've gotten good at that at home, then you got to take it to a bigger stage. What about the workplace? What about travel? What about family events? What about social events? All those things that are part of a lifestyle change. And you can't leave these things to chance. So I've provided from my own experience and also from the people who responded to those surveys insights and strategies that have helped them be successful at sustainable dietary change, which is what I'm interested in. If someone tells me I lost 50 pounds in five months, I go, well, good. Let's talk again in five years and see, you know, where, and maybe it'll carry on. But as we know, the longevity with lifestyle change, unless that's why it's so important to look at the physical activity and the mindset mastery, they're crucial for 
sustainability. And then the last, the last step that I have is champion, which sounds like you're like the expert and you do everything perfectly, but it's actually not. The champion is the one who says, I'm willing to keep learning. I'm willing to continue to have to pull up my bootstraps again. Maybe I'll try some new ways of eating. Maybe I'll even at this stage, some people become ambassadors for this way of eating and need to retool the other steps so that they can share them most effectively. Those are wonderful. And they remind me of, of a kind of funny thing. We had a, a guest a week or two back, uh, Amy Rebecca. She has a vegan mm. scene out in uh, Venice, California. And she said that, that to go to this wonderful event space that they have, you, you don't have to be a level five vegan. And I said, what's a level five vegan? She said, well, it was a joke from The Simpsons where Lisa was going vegetarian and she met this guy who said he was a level five vegan, meaning that he didn't eat anything that cast a shadow. So we are going to go to break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some of these wonderful, wonderful foods that do cast shadows and do lots of great stuff for your body. Stay with us. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Wow, that break caught us in the middle of my asking, Lanny, is there something you're really, really passionate about that you really want to talk about? And she said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, there is. And then Jeff was doing that engineer symbol saying, stop talking, (laughs) the break is over. So, Lanny, what is it that you're super excited and passionate about? Well, I'll tell you what, I am a teacher. I taught sixth grade for 20 years, and this has really informed the manuscript of Journey because that's what has really set this apart from a lot of the other tools out there for adopting a non-animal product-based diet. This has been really huge in making the difference between this manuscript and others. We have lots of other materials out there from the doctors and the dietitians that are extraordinary in giving us all the information about the nutrition of this way of living. And yet, connecting this with your reality is where I come in because that's my expertise. So, that said, there are there's a growing list of plant-based vegan instructors for cooking classes, food for life coaches, and even RDs at colleges who are pre-ordering batches of this book to use as their instructional guide with their clients and with their students. And that, to me, as a teacher, is so exciting. That's what I wanted. I wanted it to be here. Here's a manual. I can pick this up, and I can read something that also has humor world and implement it. So that's what I'm excited about. That's what first came to my head when you asked that question. Oh, and that and the humor means so much. Yeah. Because when you think about things like, oh my gosh, the planet is in peril and all these horrible things happen to animals and all these people are dying unnecessarily and healthcare costs are so huge. I mean it's just it's like an avalanche. But if you can really can look on the bright side that this is fun and inspiring and uplifting and absolutely delightful. And you know that you're countering some of that other stuff. So yeah. uh, thanks yeah. thanks for being funny. We like funny. <laughs> so um, 
people who listen all the time probably think that I am absolutely obsessed with the term plant-based because I'm trying to like it more. And oh. about a month ago, uh, Jay Morris Hicks um, and Dr. Uh, Carrie Graff were on with uh, yeah. their book, The Four-Leaf Plan, and, and Jim described what plant-based means in a way that really opened me up to it more than I have ever been open to it before. But I still come back to a problem with based. And I wish it was plant sourced. Because if I said to you, my kid goes to a school where the curriculum is math based. Well, you would know that that was mostly math and science and technology. But you wouldn't think, oh, these poor children aren't getting history or or art or PE because, Mm -hmm. you know, it was based on one thing, but the other stuff is still there. So when I hear plant-based, I I think of of great friends who will say things like, I love being plant-based, you know, I'm 60% plant-based and it's fabulous. And I'm just like, (laughs) 60%. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you do with that? Well, I'll tell you what, I it's very obvious from reading the plant-based journey and from talking with me that I'm plant-exclusive and that I don't eat animal products, and if I fudge it all, it's into processed foods that are don't have animal products in them, because whole food plant-based is really what it's about, not just plant-based, because it's a whole food we're looking at, and the whole foods are full of fiber and nutrition. I know you won't know all this. I'm just describing all of the all the content that comes with the whole food, and that's critical to whenever you're talking about plant based. That whole food is part of it. In the manuscript, I I address that and I say that's really important. Remember, that's what it's all about. But so that it's not cumbersome, I'm not going to say whole food plant based every single time. But I had not heard this term plant sourced, and for the reasons for the title of the book is I wanted something that was highly recognizable and highly encouraging for movement in a direction. And I think people should embrace all of these terms. I, I am a bit impatient with this fight between the vegans and the plant-based people saying, you know, the vegans can be very snobby about using any other term and the plant-based people can distance themselves from vegan. And I would love to see our world, and I think it's moving in that direction, embracing the term vegan more and more. As a matter of fact, I was speaking to a um, a food advoc- f- vegan food advocacy lawyer in uh, Berkeley at an event a couple of months ago, and she said, you know, vegans going mainstream. Vegans going mainstream. we got a more policy change that just embraces that. That was all very encouraging. That is encouraging. And I do think that people who aren't vegan <laughs> are fine with vegan. You know, it's just, uh, uh, you know, some of us in the fold. And I do understand that it is possible to be a vegan and not have a healthy diet. I mean, when you and I started out, it really wasn't. If if you were not eating any yeah. animal food, you had to eat plant food because there really wasn't anything else. And, uh, you know, Jim yeah. Hicks said, well, you could have Diet Coke and potato chips. And I guess, yeah, you know, you could. But nobody really does that now uh-huh. or then. And I do understand that uh, we are living in a world where all things are available and we do have to have a bit more discernment. So whole foods, lots of green, lots of color, and lots of fabulous recipes, which I'm seeing here in your book. Mm-hmm. Tell us about those. And they are easy. I, I uh, used one in the uh, the newsletter to let people know that you were going to be on the show. I used oh, thank speedy you. I burritos. saw you Yeah. Because I like speedy. Yeah, well, me too, and you're not alone. And, and that is one of the things that gets in people's way is this misunderstanding that they have to become some kind of a gourmet cook. And if you want to do that, that's fine, but it should not be something that stumbles and gets in your way. So many people don't even get into the kitchen anymore. And I, for myself, when I look at a recipe that has, you know, five ingredients or more, 
my eyes kind of glaze over. <laughs> so I tried to honor that here in the plant-based journey. And that's, as I was saying earlier, with the templates where there are just three or four ingredients, for example, the savory vegetables, which is probably a way that you frequently prepare vegetables too. It's very easy just using vegetable broth and a couple of different vegetables and a seasoning. But for people like you and I, Victoria, who have been doing this, we can so for so long, we can prepare food with our eyes closed and one hand behind our back and half asleep. But for people who are moving from a um, burgers and fries and fast food setting into seeking to do something else, just get more plants on their plate. We can agree on that. Everyone agrees we need to eat more vegetables, right? So that is an entry point of of commonality that is non-threatening. And I have had so many people who have, just by adopting a short six-week program of, okay, we're going to have six servings of vegetables every day, and we're going to work toward that. For you and I, that's like probably a third of what we are used to. For some people, that's a huge difference. By doing that, lo and behold, as the weeks go by, they start losing weight. They start crowding out the other stuff. And I have many people have shifted into a vegan diet starting that way because they built on the positive. They saw the positive results and they educated themselves along the way about more of the problems with animal products while getting confident about playing up the place that plants had on their plate. I love that. Plus, it makes your plate prettier. I just think well, when people that's just, start to yeah. see this food, they feel like, oh, gosh, what have I been missing? Yeah, well, that's like the cover of the book. And, you know, the colors there, I love the graphic that came up with. But you asked about the recipes a little bit, and I'm a big believer that the food has to taste good. I am not one of those people that says, let's rip all your flavor agents and your salt and sugar out of your hands because I don't want people – following through on the idea that this is a nuts and twigs and bark diet. This is not necessary at all. I only eat food I like, and I think if you really pay attention of having your food taste good, as you're transitioning, it's going to be more inviting than if you try to go so strictly with your flavor agents that you just run scuttling to the nearest whatever as soon as possible. So I've got like the the portobello pot roast is in there, and I have um, black bean enchilada pie. I've got sauces to go on these things. I've got and more of the templates, there's the bean spread template. So I've got black bean chipotle dip and all kinds of things like that in here. And the speedy burrito and lickety split lasagna takes about ah. oh yeah, <laughs> 10 well, minutes to table or oven. That's my descriptions. Wow. And that's unusual because one usually thinks of lasagna. That's for when you're going to take a whole Sunday afternoon. So the yeah, book is The Plant-Based Journey. The lovely author is Lanny Muellrath, mm-hmm. and that's L-A-N-I-M-U-E-L-R-A-T-H. She is Lanny Muellrath on Facebook and on Twitter. So you can check her out there. You can also go to her website, LennyMuellrath.com. And when you do that, look at the pictures. This woman is absolutely, exquisitely beautiful. Very, very quickly, in our last couple of minutes, tell us, someone who is exquisitely beautiful, what you eat in a typical day. Okay, uh, well, I eat pretty much as described in Journey, whereby I make, if I were to look back at the end of my day on my platter of food, this is one of, this is one of my meal planning systems that I also talk about in the book. About half of that tray would be filled with whole grains or starchy vegetables and beans and all of those kind of more robust starchies, I call them. And the other half of the tray overflowing would be all of the colors of uh, high water content vegetables vegetables and some fruits and then there'd be some nuts and seeds sprinkled on top. So that's kind of what my day of food looks like. I like to start early in the day with I'm a grains for breakfast with toast and piles of fruit and then during the course of the day at lunch I might have a giant salad and a sandwich. I love good grainy bread stuffed with one of my um, bean spreads from the, the template that I was telling you about and some fruit and then dinner is often um, a pile 
pile of my favorite is jasmine brown rice and some kind of savory cooked vegetable from the template in there or steamed and then either chunks of baked tofu or some kind of uh, bean curry. I'm a real big fan of making dolls and those kinds of things to, to spice up my plate. So that's kind of an overview. Oh, that's lovely. And listening to you reminds me again in this old book, this 1956 book that I'm reading, where <laughs> they talk about um, a couple of sisters. I, I think they were one was 101 and the other was 103. And they asked what they ate in a day. And they ate a lot of food. It was very hearty and kind of really reminded me of, of a lot of what you were saying. Mm-hmm. And the author editorialized after that saying, well, as you can see, these sisters are not exactly food reformers, which I guess, you know, <laughs> is the Barks and Twigs philosophy. Uh-huh. So you really can eat well. So I don't know if we lost a little bit of what I was just saying there, but I was basically yeah, I miss saying, it, but I'm back. I like what you eat. I'll come to your house in the <laughs> woods. So again, The Plant-Based Journey by Lenny Mulrath. We'll put all the information, all of the URLs and ABCs at MainStreetVegan.net on those show notes. So please take a look. And to everybody, thank you so much for listening. Thanks to Jeff, our engineer, Unity Online Radio. God bless you. And thank you, Victoria. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. notice how the funniest things happen when we stop taking ourselves too seriously and step out boldly listen to funniest thing with daryl and ed as these unlikely saints administer a refreshing dose of laughter and love that will inspire you to step out boldly and experience the funniest things join the discussion with daryl and ed live every wednesday at 5 p.m central time on funniest thing only on unity online radio the voice of an awakening world In quiet moments of prayer, let go of any concern. Anchor your trust deep in the realization that with God all things are possible. Never doubt it for a single moment. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Rev. Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell 
licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and release your infinite potential, tune in to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to ignite your best life and illuminate the world? I'm Stephanie James. I'm a motivational speaker, transformation coach, and psychotherapist. And what lights me up is helping people just like you create the greatest versions of themselves. On my podcast, Igniting the Spark, I will help you ignite your joy and reach new heights in your personal and professional life. Join me for some incredible conversations with authors, spiritual teachers, and other influential thought leaders to help guide you on your way. If you are ready to stop playing small, join me for Igniting the Spark on the mindbodyspirit.fm network or wherever you get your podcasts and ignite your best life. 